The message you're about to listen to is produced by CROIC Media. All right. I want to talk to you about the seven laws of success. The seven laws of success. The seven laws of success. We are all aware as educated people that the things in life are governed by laws. We have the law of gravity. We have the law of flotation. They have the law of lift. There are many kinds of laws. But we also need to understand that in the word of God, we also have laws. Praise God. I'm a grace preacher, but I also know that there are laws. For instance, in Romans 3 verse 27, the Bible tells us about the law of faith. The law of faith. Give it to us so they can see that. The law of of faith. It says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works, nay, but by the law of faith. Say the law of faith. Now that tells you that faith is a law. Praise God. Now, what is a law? A law is a universal principle. A law is a universal principle. In other words, a law is a principle that is no respecter of persons. In other words, if anybody applies it, it'll work. Hallelujah. A law is also a universal regulation. A law is also a fundamental rule. In other words, it's unbending. If I fast for 40 days and 40 nights and I jump off this building, ignoring the law of gravity, I will meet with concrete justice. Am I right? So there is a law of gravity. And the Bible tells us that there is a law of faith. Say the law of faith. That's, we won't do all of them. I'll just share some things with you. But look at something else in James 1 verse 25. James 1 25. You see another law there. It says, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Notice there is also a perfect law of liberty. It calls it a perfect law. Why did he call it a perfect law? In other words, it always works. 
see. The law does not respect gender, does not respect color, creed. It just works. If you work it, it will work. It says, whoso, notice anyone who looks into the perfect liberty and continues the reign, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Hallelujah. All right. So we have known what a law is. Praise God. You can also write this down. A law is a practice. A practice. So let's begin and look at the seven laws of success. We know what a law is, a universal principle, universal regulation. You know, when we look at rules and regulations, you know, how, how do we, what are the principles we need to guide our life by in order to have success? All right? What is success? There are lots of definitions of success. Lots. The word defines success as the attainment of a goal. The attainment of a goal. That's how the word defines success. The achievement of an end. The achievement of an end. You can put a desired end. All right? A desired end. But for us, as children of God, there is more to success. I think it was Nightingale that said, success is the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. Success is a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. Success is a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. Now, for us as Christians, success is a progressive realization of God-given goals. Success is the progressive realization of God-given goals. You say, why did you say that? Because the true measure of success is the fulfillment of your God-given destiny. The true measure of success is the fulfillment Of your God-given destiny. So no matter how much you achieve. And you don't fulfill your God-given destiny. You may be successful in the eyes of men. Because you built great houses. You, you bought big cars. But in the sight of God. You'll be a failure. You see. And this is what has produced. The emptiness. In the world. That's why you can see someone very successful and they commit suicide. They die from drug overdose. Why? Because their success lacks meaning. See? 
Because success ought to be the fulfillment of your God-given purpose. All right? Why do we do what we do, for instance? We are doing it because God told us to do it. And when we fulfill this, meet this goal, we have more than happiness. Happiness is a transient feeling of satisfaction. But joy is the exuberance of the spirit. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on what is happening. See, study the word, the etymology of the word happiness. is based on happiness. Happiness. So, you are happy because of what is happening. But when you have joy, it's the exuberance of your spirit. The Bible speaks of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Are we together? All right. So, let's look at the, the seven laws of success. Number one, set the right goal. Set the right goal. I remember an analogy made by one of the popular Christian motivational speakers. He said, how would you feel in life if you have a desire to get to the top of a building? And you start climbing the rung of the ladder and you get to the top and you are at the top of the wrong building. You're at the top, but you're on top of the wrong building. That's what happens to a lot of people. They set goals because they're in competition with their friends. They set goals because they want to prove some things to their parents. My father never believed in me. I'm going to do this because my father... Notice, I'm going to do this because my father did not believe in me. So when you, when you get to a point and you proved a point to your father or to your relatives that did not believe in you, what starts happening to you? You start, you start imbibing what we call destructive habits. You start seeing people go into addiction. They've proved their point. So their goal in life has been achieved. I'm going to be a governor because of the fact that nobody believes in me and my family. No, you're a governor. You've become a governor. You've left office now. What happens to you after that? So don't set goals because you want to impress somebody. You want to prove anything to anybody. Set goals because you want to achieve them. Are you following me? Set goals because they move you toward your God-given destiny. Set goals because these goals give you fulfillment. It's important we define a few things in our journey of success. I believe it's obvious to us that success is a journey, right? Okay. Now, what is a goal? I love the definition a great man of God gave. He said, a goal is a dream with what? With a deadline. A goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal is a written statement of something you desire to be, do, or have. A goal 
is a written statement. Notice the use of words. Written statements. Of something you desire to be, do or have. A goal is a written statement of something you desire to be, do, or have. A written statement. I, I love what someone said. He said, it is a clearly written statement. All right? It is, let me look, let's look at some characteristics of a goal. One, a goal is definite. A goal is definite. That means you're very clear. For instance, what is my goal? Very clear. Why are you on TV? Number one, to change the world by changing the way people think. Based on 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. That is my goal. Every time you hear me on TV, on radio, the words are easy to understand. I'm not out there to impress. I have a mission. I have a goal to change the world by changing the way people think. So what is your goal? See, it is a written statement of something you desire to be, do or have. Why? Because the clearer the goal, the greater the motivation. The clearer the goal the greater the motivation. Your goal has to be clear or your goals have to be clear. Look at Abacock 2. Abacock 2.2. Two. Abacock 2.2. Two. Are you there? And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. See, we just said that a goal is a written statement. One man that never ceases to inspire me is Peter J. Daniels. At the age of 26, he got born again. He was said to be mentally retarded. And God gave him a dream, a goal to impact the world for the next 300 years. In other words, make so much impact for the next 300 years. Two, to be the one who gives the largest offering in the history of Christianity. He has about three goals that they're about. Today, he's the wealthiest man in Australia. A man that at 26 was said to be mentally retarded. He could not read nor write. But he had a very clear goal. What is your goal? It has been said, I believe it was Miles Murrow that said that, he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. How many of you have gone out to look for someone's house? You didn't really know the place. You didn't take proper description. And he said, you're looking for one, Michael. And there are 15 Michaels on the street. So you get here, they say, one Michael is a copper. Michael, Michael. 
Yes, we are coppers there, but uh, there's no Michael here. Then you go to another place and they say, a Michael, a copper. They say, okay, is it this Michael? Michael, a good job. No, 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 no. Michael, no, 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 no. Check the other place. There's one Michael down at the end of the street. He gets there at the end of the street and you find out that there's no, the, the Michael, there's not a Michael you're looking for. They say, the, the Michael you're looking for is actually, there are actually two dim rows. It's on the other dim rows. See, why are, you, why are you wasting time? You're wasting time because the vision, the direction is not clear. The Bible says if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will make himself ready for battle? The vision must be precise. The goal must be precise. For instance, for everything we do as a ministry, we have what we call the localized vision statement. It states thus, as we preach the full message of this new life, our goal is to raise the people who are like Jesus by exposing them to the influence of God's word and his spirit in an atmosphere of love so that they may be able to take the love of God, the word of God, and the healing power of God to every individual within that sphere of contact. Everything we do as a local church revolves around that. That's our goal. We have four goals for everything we put in print. So you must have goals. You see, I, I was, talk, I like talking to believers. I, I, I've studied the word, I'm still studying the world. And I've observed that the world is very successful. I mean, the unbelievers, they are successful because they are very definite about what they want to achieve. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, what was your dream when you signed on Facebook? I wanted to connect the world. Is he connecting the world? He is. Steve Jobs, why did he start Apple? I wanted to make sure that people are able to afford personal computers so personal computers can be in every home. You know your phone is a computer? Are you aware that the, the idea of the internet was Steve Jobs' idea? He funded the man that developed it. We're not very definite about what we, achieve, what we want to achieve. And it's sad that even you meet a Christian in 25, 36, he still is not definite. The Bible says, unstable as the water thou art, thou shalt not excel. That's in another series. It's called the law of consistency. So a Christian, you say, okay, you're a doctor. Yeah, I'm a doctor. So what's the dream? Um, you know, I, I just, uh, 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 don't be healed in Jesus' name. Or you hear a Christian say, um, my, my dream as a medical doctor, amen, I just work for a while, make some money, then maybe I will start a hospital, maybe. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Why do Christians fail? No definite goal. You are a copper. Do you know what exactly you want to achieve? I have never budged on my goal since I was 17. Never. 
you ask me what do you want to do this is exactly what I want to do this is exactly what I want and I'm doing everything I set out to do at 17 there are some I thought I'll achieve in my 40s I'm beginning to do them now I'm in my 30s Tell someone, be definite. I don't like the way you are quiet. Be definite. So when you leave here, do yourself a favor. Sit down and think, what do I want to achieve with my life? Something I learned from a great man of God. It's at the end of your life. Whatever you become, whatever you've done, whatever you have, is what you traded your life for. Every day you are trading your life. You are trading in moments. You are trading in hours. You are trading in seconds. Write the vision, he says. And make it plain. Where? Upon tables. See? The goal should be so clear that you can imagine it. It should be so clear. One characteristic of a clear goal is that you should be able to see it. If the goal is clear, you should be able to imagine it. If you cannot see it, see, what's your goal? Uh, my, my goal is to be able to have a hospital. A hospital. Okay. Do you know that there are people who start one small place and it's a hospital? Describe the kind of hospital. My dream is to have a world-class hospital. You're a nurse, right? You studied nursing, right? You, nursing, yes, you. What did you study? What? Economics. Oh, I thought you studied nursing. So I was trying to stare something in your heart. Who is a medical person here? No doctor here. Okay, you, okay. Let's say... You, you, you help, what, what, let's say you want to start a hospital describe it so clear that whenever you read it you can see your hospital why? for as he thinketh in his heart they ask an actor why he's become so successful he said one thing why he's become so successful because his goals are so clear that because he imagines them and he sees them so real his goals have become inevitable You say, can that be really true? The Bible says, as far as your eyes can see, that have I given to you. Clarity enhances motivation. Clarity inspires. Write this down. Inspiration is energy. Inspiration is energy. Write this down. The speed of any work is dependent on the clarity of the vision. The speed of any work is dependent on the clarity of the vision. Are you aware that for a long time the body of Christ churches even many believers had no personal vision or goals. 
the first Christian book on vision was written by George Barnard. And it was after he discovered that majority of the books on vision were written by unbelievers. Any Christian book you see on vision, the principles and power of vision by Dr. Miles Monroe came after George Barnard written. When the body of Christ realized that majority of the body of Christ had no sense of vision, no goals or targets. For a long time, the church of Jesus Christ was not growing. And the man's church was growing younger children. And he came and made them know that one of the reasons why their churches were not growing, they had no targets, they had no clear vision of the future they designed for their churches. So number one, set the right goal. Habakkuk 2, 23 says, write the vision, make it plain upon the tables. Tables then were slabs, slates that they wrote on. So now you got your paper. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Do it tarry. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You see that? So you need to be clear. And you hold it in your heart. You hold it in your heart. It will come to pass. Learn to start setting daily goals. See? Set daily goals. Set weekly goals. Set yearly goals. Toyota had one goal to become number one in the car industry and they became. They ingrained it into every staff that anything you're doing, let it be the best. If you have suggestions on how this thing can be better that we can become number one, we'll increase your salary for that new idea. We'll give you some bonuses. And they started working on improving their cars. And today, Toyota is number one. What's your goal? Um, I'm I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. What's your goal? You're not the first lawyer. I'm going to be an accountant. What's your goal? You're not the first accountant. So the first law... We call it the law of vision. It set the right goal. Are you out there? I said, are you out there? Number two, the law of preparation. The first law, the law of vision. The law of vision. Number two, the law of preparation. Write this down. Educate or prepare yourself for your goal. Educate or prepare yourself for your goal. There are many Christians who do not prepare themselves for their goals. Luke 12 Luke 12, verse 47. And that servant which knew his lost will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. 
The frustration in many lives is a lack of preparation. When I was about 17 or thereabouts, I heard a message by Dr. Frederick Casey Price. And he said, many of you want to get married and deal with an individual, spirit, soul, and body, and do it all in six months, three months, and overnight you get married. He said, the man who studies to handle just the human body, the physical body, to become a medical doctor, studies about six to eight years. Then he said, you want to handle someone, spirit, soul, and body, and do it in six months? I started preparing for marriage at that time. By the time I was 30 years old, I was teaching marriage like a veteran. I still believe I have one of the clearest messages on marriage in the world. The woman heard our message, secrets of motherhood from Italy, made orders quickly for it. I saw an email from a lady in the UK and what she had learned from our series. The law of preparation. There's something I always tell people. The future belongs to those who prepare for it. Preparation is an ongoing process. To make yourself better and fit for your dream. Preparation is an ongoing process to make yourself better and fit for your dream. Ongoing. What does the word prepare mean? To prepare is to make ready. To make ready. That's what it means. To prepare is to make ready. There's something Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He said, the worst thing that could ever happen to a man is to succeed before he's ready. That is the worst thing that could ever happen to a man to succeed before he's ready. Something the Lord told me Many years ago, and um, I heard a great man of God corroborated John Maxwell. He said something. The Lord told me that before I heard it from John Maxwell. The Lord said this. He said, to repair, to prepare your life is better and easier than to repair your life. You prepare. There are a lot of people who eventually repair. No, prepare. The law of preparation. Says he that knew his Lord's will. You know God's plan for your life. You set the goal. You set the vision. And then we say, the Bible says, shall be beaten with many stripes. In other words, frustration. Verse 8. But he who knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. 
For unto whosoever much is given, of whom shall be required, or unto, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much, much of him they will ask of more. Uh, it says, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So the guy that knows this is the way I got to go, life demands more from me. You see, let me tell you something. It is, it is more frustrating to know what you should have been. And never forget what a great man of God said. He said, one of the saddest experiences of your life is to know what you could have been. So if you begin to prepare now, you avoid many regrets. Many regrets. Hallelujah. I didn't get any response. Hallelujah. Is this good stuff? Because I'm wondering, am I, am I beating you too hard? Huh? Is it good? Luke 14. The law of preparation. And beginning from verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower? Notice he knows the goal. The goal is to build a tower. See, the goal is clear. He wants to build a tower. And it's amazing that when you read in Genesis 11, when Nimrod and his followers set out to build a tower, God said, because the people is one and they have one language. Now, nothing shall be restrained from which they may imagine to do. The goal was so clear. They knew, everybody knew, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach up to heaven and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad upon the earth. It was so clear. God came down and said, this goal is so clear, they would do it. And scattered their meeting. But his children... No clear go. Meet a Christian and say, uh, good evening, brother. So what, what, do you, what do you see yourself becoming in the next five years? Um, plus, minus. Uh, meet a young, unbelieving entrepreneur because they are trained in these areas. I watch them on business channels. You see them, they say, um, what, what, what do you see, how do you see the next uh, five years? Okay, first of all, in the next six months, we will be in the UK. We are working on having an office there. Then, in the next two years, we'll be moving to Germany. In the next five years, we're going to have an office in Asia. It's so, so clear. In the next one year. So, in the next... Two years. Sir, next three years, where would you be? Two thousand and fifteen is the year of great grace. Two thousand sixteen is the year of the sun. So I know the focus of my message was two thousand and fifteen and the focus of my message two thousand and sixteen. But in 2015, we've not finished yet. Let's not 
joke with our lives. We're competing with the world. Mark Zuckerberg is learning Chinese because Facebook wants to enter China. What's, what's our goal? Look at this. For which of you intending to build a tower, see that not down first, encounter the cost of whether it has sufficient to finish it. I want to have the best hospital, state of the heart, of the art facility in Lagos, Abuja, and Port Harcourt. You sit down, you and the Holy Ghost, and walk things out. You set up the plan. Then what do I need to start doing? You are buying medical journals. You are buying medical journals. People think you're crazy. You know, sometimes when I'm buying materials, how much is that book? 4,000 something. One book. Is that not too much money? No. That's the value of my future. So you pick a book, how to grow your business. You check the price, 5,200, God forbid, bad thing. But your shirt is 6,000. Your shoes, 15,000. And all these things are depreciating assets. The value of knowledge is constant. You know, my, you know how much my research is? I was talking to someone, it depends on research, about 250,000 naira. Wristwatch. Fine wristwatch. But as he bought books worth 250,000. That's what he's trading his life for. You know what my suit is? Guess. 20. For what now? Guess. 60. For what? 150,000 naira. The suits. What are the shirt? 25. That's how much? 175. My belt? 35. How much? Give it to me. Give it to me. Calculate it. Calculate it. 210. My shoes? 55. 265. <laughs> See, that's my level. He picks a book. 6,000 error. For a book. That's the value of his future. His suits tomorrow will grow old. But the knowledge you have today will stay with you forever. Educate and prepare yourself for your goal. He says, let him count the cost. Look at verse 29. Less happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it and behold the people begin to mock him. Look, look at this. Let me read some of my points here in my notes here. Know exactly what you want to do. Know exactly what you want to do. 
know what it would take. Know exactly what you want to do. Know what it would take. Know what it will cost. Know exactly what you want to do. Know what it would take. Know what it will cost. Let me take one more so we can run. Proverbs 22 verse 29. Proverbs 22 29. It says, Seest now a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. Give it to me. He shall not stand how before mean men. I say, I call that area boys. You will move from your area to greater influence if you be diligent. Preparation is an ongoing process to make yourself better and fit for your dream. Hallelujah. The next point. Maintain good health. Maintain good health. Maintain good health. A healthy spirit. A healthy mind. Maintain good health. A healthy spirit. A healthy mind, a healthy body, maintain good health. Give us Proverbs 18, verse 14. Maintain good health. Proverbs 18, 14. It says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Now, give it to me in the Amplified so they can see this in the Amplified. The strong spirit of a man, did you see that? The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. Maintain good health. Take care of your spirit. That's something I used to teach people. I tell them, take care of your spirit, and your spirit will take care of you. Because if your spirit is strong, it will keep you in health. And how do you take care of your spirit? Number one, Feed your spirit the word of God. Feed your spirit the word of God. Learn to feed on the word. Number two. You can have that as uh, as a scripture for the first one. Matthew 4 verse 4. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That the spirit feeds on the word of God. John 6, verse 63. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. Number two. Maintain a healthy prayer life. Maintain a healthy prayer life. Prayer is a spirit of spirit communication. Your spirit is f- fellowshipping with God. See? 
Number three. Worship. Worship. You see, if you're not if you're someone that doesn't know how to sing, just play worship music. It helps to maintain a healthy spirit. Worship. Number four, forgiveness. Refuse to have bitterness. Because if you if you have bitterness in your spirit, you will notice that the favor of God will stop flowing in your life. Give us Hebrews 12, verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15. I gotta run. I'm just number three. I need to know how many minutes I have left. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. This is one of the reasons why many people are stuck in life. Bitterness. I have a series, audio series, How to Live Worry Free by Dale Kennedy. And he says it has been proven that one of the ways you can live a healthy life is for you to forgive. Forgive. Why? You want to make progress. Let's look at this in the Amplified, please. Amplified. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Notice the favor of God starts working. Bitterness. You, you want favor. You want to be successful because without favor, you won't be successful. So you're forgiven. Uh, is that right? You know, there's a saying they have in the world, one good turn deserves another. If brother says, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Learn to forgive. Keep a healthy mind. How do I keep a healthy mind? Feed your brain with mental protein. Feed your brain with mental protein. How do I mean by mental protein? Two ways. The first one, mental protein, is read often. Read books that encourage you, that strengthen your faith. Feed your brain with mental protein. Are you out there? It's one of the ways you keep a healthy mind. You feed it with mental protein. Then the second point of mental protein is to watch your diet. Your brain is important. Your diet. Cigarette is terrible. One of the ways to destroy your memory is cigarettes. Cigarettes kills the memory. It burns your brain. Dr. Eric Braverman, one of the leading medical doctors in the world, says cigarettes and what do you call this thing? Indian hemp is a devil's oven. It burns the brain. And the more you read, going back to the first one, the more you create more brain cells. Brain cells can be created. Do your research on it. It can be created. And the more you read, the better you remember. So as you're moving to your journey of success, there are many times you need to think on your feet. 
And if you are someone who reads a lot, your brain is fast. See? Mental protein. Your diet is important. See? You, you stay away from cigarettes. You stay away from Indian hemp. These things, alcohol, they destroy your brain. Three, for mental health, refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. Worry is a terrible thing. I learned that worry can even cause tooth decay. Can eat up your tooth. Give you ulcers. Are you aware of that? Many people have ulcers because of worry. Can cause your tooth to dissolve. Get the series. How to live worry-free by Dale Kennedy. Very, very important. You, you, you get a whole, Refuse to worry. What, the thing is bothering you. Say, Father, I just trust you. Take care of it. Do, don't have sickness nights because of it. Because if you, if, if you, if you, if you are not, um, if, if you worry about it, it doesn't change anything anyway. So, tell someone I refuse to worry. Then physical health. Very important. Take care of yourself. Learn to rest. Steve Jobs worked so hard, they went home early. Learn to rest. There's something God told Bishop Whittick. He said, if you will not rest, you'll be laid to rest. God buries the sour and doesn't bury his work. So he learns to rest. Learn to rest. Because sometimes you want this thing to happen quick and happen now. And you're walking, you're not sleeping, you're walking, you're not sleeping. You're wearing out your body. The Bible says God built, created the earth in six days. It rested on the seventh day. And the Bible says the Lord was refreshed. Not because he was tired. But the Bible says he was refreshed. You also need to be refreshed. Take out time, a holiday. Like today I would have been at work. But I woke up too early. And I've been, in, I've been preaching since last week. Thursday. I didn't come to work today. The fact that I didn't come to work today won't kill anybody. There's something a man of God said. Andrew Womack. He said, there will always be work. So when you're going on a vacation, someone calls you, there's another work. So you tell them another day. If you go home early, they'll give someone else the work. Everything won't stop because of you. Like many young men. Number four. The law of self-motivation. The law of self-motivation. There's something I love telling people. I say, if you don't lead yourself well, you can't lead it as well. Scripture tells us David encouraged himself how? In the Lord. That's First Samuel 30. Verse 6. David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
the law of self the law of self motivation look at jesus he carried three people to go and pray with him and while he prayed the first one hour came back they were sleeping prayed again came second hour they were sleeping came, came third one hour they were sleeping someone just said i'm finished self-motivation if you're going to be successful you will take personal responsibility for your own success personal responsibility if i fail it's my fault if i succeed it's my fault you must take personal responsibility how can a man that was that became that learned how to read at 26 run so quickly and become the wealthiest man in the nation an enlightened nation before he was 80 he was already the wealthiest man in his nation why he prepared himself he said he bought three dictionaries one in his car one in his in his bathroom and one in the sitting room he was always reading he read on history he read read, read everything readable very vast man you drive yourself hallelujah someone says i i, I think um if, if there was somebody to encourage me i will how long will you wait for someone to encourage you i read a book exploring for success by bishop david Udipo. the same month i read 22 books in one month and a hundred chapters It drove me. You can't just sit down and wait for life to happen. Dr. Miles Maru reads one book every week. Benny Hinn went to see Robert close just before he passed on. And Robert was reading four books every week. Lester Calvin Brown, one of the highest paid motivational speakers in the world, reads four books every week. You must have a plan for your growth. You drive yourself. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, did what? Endured the cross. Yeah, encourage yourself. And nobody's reading the way I, 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 want, I want to read. And I, I can't, if I overread, I don't want people to think I'm carrying my book too far. You're, you're not running the same race. While I was in the university, I was reading constantly. And I was so insane that even during exams, I was still reading other books. I'm not saying you should do it, but I was that crazy. Hallelujah. You drive yourself. You motivate yourself. Look at something very quickly. Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Let's begin from verse 13 Philippians 3 13 it says brethren I notice what he said I personal count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth reaching is an effort unto those things which are before verse 14 I press notice I, I press 
There's opposition. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Let us therefore, as many as we perfect, mature, be thus minded. He said, if you know you are mature, this is the way you should be thinking. If in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. If you think there's another way, he says, God will reveal this to you. You're pressing. You're encouraging yourself. Paul was a man who knew how to encourage himself. Quickly, let's run. What number are we now? You said? Okay. Let me end with one more. Number five. Persevere toward your goal. The law of perseverance. The law of perseverance. This is similar to the law of consistency. The law of perseverance. Now, this still, let me take two instances. Hebrews 12. Let's look at verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, did what? Endured the cross. You see, the fulfillment of your destiny requires patience. The law of perseverance. There's going to be patience. Why? Because every dream creates conflict. Every dream once you announce your dream, you force your adversaries to reveal themselves. I remember something a dear man of God said. He said, adversity is proof that your enemy has anticipated your success. You're going to have challenges pursuing your dream. I hope you know that. It's not going to be just easy. Don't let anybody deceive you. Jesus had things to endure. The Bible says they made the captain of the salvation perfect through suffering. Challenges will come. But you must make up your mind. The Lord perseverance. Never, never, never give up. There are many times challenges have come. But just keep going. You at last your challenges in Jesus' name. Yeah, the Bible says, I haven't done all to stand. Stand therefore. I remember something the dear woman of God said. He said, if you are willing to stand forever, you will not be standing very long. Because the devil will let you, just let you go. Don't give up at the first instance of opposition. That's what people do. The, the first opposition, they just they just give up. No, don't give up at the first instance of opposition. No, don't give up. Because, hear me, the conflicts of life are simply tests of your commitment. One, the conflicts of life are simply tests of your convictions. Two, 
Three, the conflicts of life are simply tests of your character. Because the people of character stick to their dreams. Let me come again. Number one, the conflicts of life are simply tests of your commitment. Are you committed to your dream? Are you committed to your dream? You know, challenges come. People want to give up. They want to give up. Do you know, do you know how long I've been trying this thing? Eh? It is not working. And listen, so long as you continue in discouragement, you will not make a headway. Get over it. Challenges come to everybody. Are you following me? They come to the biggest businesses in the world face challenges. The smallest businesses in the world face challenges. It is not new. It's normal with life. The Bible says don't count it a strange thing concerning the fairy trial that has come to try you. See, it's not a strange thing. Challenges come. Some couples maybe just entered this land and they couldn't get a house on time. I'm going home. I can't imagine I'm going through this. You want to succeed in life? You must have some backbone of steel. It has been said the reason why the letter goes to its destination was because the stamp stuck to it. So you make up your mind. I will never give up. I'm fighting for this dream. Are you out there? I said, are you out there? It's a test of your conviction. The conflicts of life are tests of your convictions. The Bible calls it the trial of your faith. What is faith? Faith is on the word pistis. The word pistis means conviction. It's a trial of your conviction. You stick in there. I never forget something Catherine Coleman said. He said, if you put your best into life, you get the best out of life. You keep on putting your best. Keep on putting your best. Are you out there? The conflicts of life has limited tests of your character. Tests of your character. Quickly, let's take two scriptures. First one, Hebrews 12, verse 24. Hebrews 12, 24. Quickly. Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 11, 24. Hebrews 11, 11, 24. Hebrews 11, 24. Quickly. Okay, my faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Next verse. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. Did you see that? Challenges will come. The only place where success comes before work is where? In the dictionary. So you must be ready for challenges. Tell your neighbor, be ready for challenges. Yeah. Do you know how many great businesses when they started, they went into debt? They were facing bankruptcy. Or do you know how many great people? Steve Jones was, a, was, was born by 
Syrian parents, they couldn't, they couldn't train their child and they gave him for adoption, gave him up for adoption. So he could have said, you know, me, I, 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 I am my parents. And he, he could have just lived like that. No, there's affliction. They said Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Next verse. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the world. His focus was on the dream. See, ignore, ignore the challenges. Keep thinking of that dream, that joy, the fulfillment. You think about it, what, what would it be like to see one million souls saved? What would it be like? What will it you're going to, what would it be like? This drives us. Joy that was said before. Next verse, please. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That goal is invisible to everyone. There's something I heard many years ago from Pastor Tunde Bakara. Bakari. He said a man with a vision is listening to a distant sound. He's listening, he's, he's, he's listening to a distant sound. The law of perseverance. You hang in there. Hebrews 6, 12, please. Oh boy. Hebrews 6, 12. It says that you be not slothful. Did you see that? But followers of them who through faith and what? And patience, perseverance, inherit the promise. Why? Because the Bible says, though it tarry, wait for you've got to be patient. Let me share this with you. The man that got the idea of the iPod, the first person gave up along the way. He's a carpenter today. It made Steve Jobs millions, if not billions. He's a cap. He gave up. This thing is taking too long. <clears throat> give up on it. There's a pastor that pastored the church. Interesting story. For seven years, they had seven members. And this is a dramatic increase that shocked me. I still want to investigate that man. <laughs> because in the seventh year, their church grew to 2,000. For seven years, they had several members. That's an average of one member per year. One of Claudio Frison's story, similar story to the, because this person I told is an African. The second one, Claudio Frison. For seven years, he had seven members. The seventh year, everything turned. The law of perseverance. Tell someone, hang in there. Tell someone, hang in there. I'll give you one more. The law of excellence. The law of excellence. Excellence is doing more than is expected. Doing more 
than is expected. It means to go beyond the usual mark. Go beyond the usual mark. To go beyond the usual mark. It was John D. Rockefeller that said, Excellence is doing common things uncommonly. Doing common things uncommonly. In other words, doing something that is common in an uncommon way. The law of excellence. It means to be exceptional. It means to be exceptional. Hallelujah. Excellence is important. There's something I heard someone say, a lady, an influential lady in the world, she said, excellence is the greatest deterrent to racism. Or sexism. Excellence. The greatest deterrent. In other words, when you have excellence, you cannot be ignored. Hallelujah. Excellence. It means to be exceptional. It means to be exceptional. That means you walk at doing your thing in a way it has never been done. There are two very important things to excellence, innovation and creativity. Innovation means you're doing an old thing in a new way. Creativity means you are doing something entirely new. Two very important things with excellence, innovation and creativity. And if you look at the world today, the most successful companies don't joke with those two things, innovation and creativity. The iPhone is a phone. But it has certain things that many phones don't have. Apple computers learned from IBM IBM were the first folks that started computers. They innovated. And now there are two things that give them an edge. Innovation and creativity. Do you know that the tablet, which we now have in the form of the iPad, was first done by Microsoft? It didn't sell. Steve Jobs took it, reinvented it, with innovation and creativity, we all wanted it. Excellence. Doing a common thing in an uncommon way. There's always been laptops, but have you seen laptops today? Boy, I have a MacBook Air. You know a MacBook Air? I got one. Beautiful. The sound it makes when you, when you, when you tap beautiful sound so as a Christian you must work at excellence and it's something I tell people I said excellence is a product of planning
excellent is the point of the planning. What do you want to do? How do you want to do it? How should it be? How should it be like? Excellence is the point of planning. I receive a lot of letters from, from, from Christian organizations. And maybe watch this. This is interesting. The program is coming next week. Then you write me a letter. We got the letter today. Today is what? Friday, right? And they'll write letter today. Then they'll put dates. They'll date it back like one month or three weeks backward. And I got the letter today. They are irresponsible. How can you plan a program? And you need funds. It is getting to the person on Friday. And banks don't open on Saturday. They need guns to work on Saturday night. So you can give the money on Monday morning. Excellence upon our planning. But watch a secular program. As this Grammy ends, or this program ends, they already know the committee that's organizing the next one. Excellence they put out of planning. You are going to church on Sunday. Which suit are you wearing? Excellence starts in little things. It is Sunday morning that you will be looking for a suit. Which suit is ironed? This one is ironed, the trouser is scattered. This one is, hey God, how do you? He that is faithful in little. It's a wonder I made ruler over much. So by tomorrow, your suit should be ready. Your shirt should be ready. Learn excellence in these little things. Excellence. Support of the planning. Daniel 6, 3, please. Let's begin from 1, 2, 3. Daniel 6, 1, 2, 3. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes must give account unto them that the king should have no damage. Now, this king was really wise. He knew the, the power of delegation. Because delegation minimizes your stress and amplifies your effectiveness. He knew the importance of delegation. The Bible says, Daniel was first that the princes should give account unto them that the king should have no damage. Look at the next verse. Then this Daniel was preferred above the, prince, the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel had an excellent spirit. You do more than is expected. You do more than is required. You plan it. You innovate. You think it through. How, 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 can, how can this thing be done in a way that has never been done before? What we call each is a glorified restaurant. Are you aware of that? It's Mama Put. 
What are you eating? Rice. Do you want chicken? Do you want? That's my put. Someone thought about how can I do this thing in a way that's never been done before. And someone else thought about how can I have a drive-through. Excellence. See, use, use your mind, use your spirit, open yourself to God because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of excellence. And if you allow the Holy Spirit and the word of God dominate you, it will produce excellence in you because God is an excellent God. Now look at this. To show you our God is a God, our God is a planner. The lamb was slain before the sin was sinned. Anticipate mistakes. See, that's why when you're planning, have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Anticipate mistakes. If this thing happens, what do you do? See, that's one thing about people with the spirit of excellence. They, they are quick. They are quick. Why? Because excellence is a function of wisdom. Wisdom says, I will speak excellent things. See, you want to develop the, the spirit of excellence? You've got to have wisdom in you. Wisdom will produce excellence. Ask God. Confess it. Confess the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Last one. The law of divine direction or the law of guidance. The law of divine direction or the law of guidance. If you want to have success that is steady and stable, you must know how to follow God. There are companies of over 100 years old that have fallen. You all know them. Huge banks suddenly crumbled. They were driven by greed and not the word of God. One of the wealthiest women in the world today, she's from Singapore. And she was an orphan. Raised up by foster parents. She built a life on two scriptures. John 10.10 10 and Ephesians 3.20. And right now she has the largest water company in the world. When she pulled out of Dubai, just before the refinancing of Dubai, something interesting happened. Most of the economists and the business folks in the world began to fault her. So they began to fault her like, why did she move out of Dubai? Then when the refinancing came during the economic recession, their companies went down. Her company went higher. She became the largest water distributor in the world. And they asked her why. She said she just had a hunch. Divine guidance. Every loss in your life is traceable to disobedience. Every loss. Either you didn't follow the scriptures or you didn't follow God's voice. Every loss in your life. Let's read a few scriptures. Isaiah 48.
Isaiah 48. Let me begin from verse 16. The law of divine guidance. It says, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From a time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Thus saith the Lord that redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit. Did you see that? And which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. The law of divine direction. The law of divine guidance. It teaches you how to profit. When we're looking for a venue, a man gave us a land for free. I never knew that many years later, there will be flood in this state. And I was sleeping that night. The Lord said, give him back the land. Because we'll take the land today to be trouble for you in the future. So I told the man, I'm sorry. We're not going to take the land. Thank you for your generosity and give him the land. And I asked the Lord, I said, where do you want our church to be? He said, Biogbolo. So everybody told me there's no venue in Biogbolo. There's no place like that close to the road. It's impossible. And we got this place. Before we got this place, when we, the, the man said it was five million, that he told some church, big churches in this land that wanted this place, five million per year. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what do you want to pay? The Lord said 1.5 million. And I went back to the man. And the man agreed for 1.5 million. Because there's something interesting. He said, go and ask your God what you will pay. Every other person that met him. Big churches, 5 million per year. But for us, it was 1.5 million. Why? I was functioning under divine guidance. When the flood came, those areas that our, we got land. You know what happened. So, just like we would have built those years, built, and you know your pastor, I love Exodus. We would have built one beautiful place with, with maybe fiberglass roof, and oh boy, the beautiful church. The water does not care. Lock your door to enter. Think of how destroyed, how wasteful, how that being. The law of divine guidance. Learn to take steps according to divine guidance. If you lose your sense of peace, if you lose your sense of peace, don't do it. If you lose your sense of peace, don't let anybody come and tell you, you know, this deal, we will make 50,000 naira every day for the next three years. And you just have three hours to make a decision. Tell him you're not doing it. If you don't have a sense of peace. But greed is what forces people to make those kind of bad decisions. Someone called our office one time. How is pastor? Um, the, we want to supply pipes to Shell. I got a condo to supply pipes <laughs> to Shell. Well done. And I'm a pastor. Where did I start supplying pipes? But if greed was guided, don't be guided by greed. Most companies have crumbled because they were guided by greed. This is an opportunity. Let's seize the opportunity. Let's, and the company just comes. And it's sad. Some of them come, they go bankrupt. 
Look at what's happening to the casino industry in America. Look at all the, all the Trump casino places that Donald Trump built. They are being sold. The Bible says, he leads me beside the still waters. He, he leads me beside the still waters for his name's sake. He leads me. That means, hear me, if I follow him, he says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me beside the still waters. If he leads me beside the still waters. In other words, still waters is the one that is calm. So how do I know this is God leading me? There is peace. You are taking that step. Fear in your heart. Fear in your heart. Fear. Pull back. I'm not doing the deal. You're going to miss $3 million. I'm not doing the deal. So he leads me beside the still waters. Still water is calm. The next thing he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means if you follow the voice of the spirit, you have a scandal-free life. They asked the wealthy man a question. He says something. He said it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes five minutes to destroy it. One wrong move and everything is over. Follow the voice of the Spirit. Tell someone, follow the voice of the Spirit. Yeah, follow the voice of the Spirit. Second Samuel. Chapter 5. I want us to read a few thoughts here. Verse 17. I think I should build on this and make a book out of it. Do you think so? Seven laws of success. Look at this, verse 17. Second Samuel 5, 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David and heard of it and went down to the, and David heard of it and went down to the hood. Notice they heard he was made king. And that's the amazing thing about success. The more successful you are, <laughs> sometimes the greater the success, the greater the opposition you will attract. They just heard it was kink. There's a man of God that was on TV. He's from Ghana. And he said, I had to leave the television. Because I noticed that I was, I was staring things that I could not, he didn't want to face. That's why you count the cost. You count the cost. Some people will not like you because they're successful. Look at verse 18. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines without delivering them into my hand? And the Lord said, What? Go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And David came to Baal Parazin, and that was the valley of invigorated giants. See, he has bigger challenges. He, was, he dealt with one Goliath when he was a, a lone ranger. Now he's a king. He's fighting at Beyond Parazin. The Lord of my breakthrough. And David smote them. And said, the Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me like the breach of waters. And he called the name of this Beyond Parazin. And that was the Lord of breakthrough. 
And they left their, their images, and David and his men burned them, and Philistines came up yet again. The Philistines came up yet again in the valley of Rephaim. So that the word Rephaim means the valley of invigorated giants. Look at this. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come up over against them against the mulberry trees and let it be when thou hear the sound of the goings in the tops of the mulberry trees that thou should bestead thyself and for then the Lord shall go out before thee to smite the host of the of the Philistines and David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba unto until thou come unto Gaza, Gaza notice what happened I want you to pay attention to this the first time God said go up the second time, God said, wait until you hear his sound. God is the God of strategies. What ended Moses' ministry? Every time the Lord said, smite the rock, smite the rock, stretch your hand, stretch your hand. So he smote the rock the first time. The second time, God said, speak to the rock. And he smote the rock. And what happened? It ended his ministry. Divine guidance. Everything you've learned today hinges on that. Everything. I recommend one of my series titled Four Important Things. I want you to listen to it, order for it, tell them to, to get to that series, Four Important Things. And I shared the story of a man that when he came in contact with a message of cultivating your spirits to hear God's voice and follow God's leading, he had $50 to his name. In seven years of following God's voice for every investment, he had seven million dollars. In seven years, he turned 50 million dollars to seven million dollars. And in that seventh year that Kenny Higgins was preaching, he said, right now he's about to hit a deal worth 50 million dollars. All by hearing and following God's voice. I close with the story of Steve Scott. He was a failure in his life. And Gary Smalley came to him and said, I want you to read the Bible. It's a law of preparation, the law of consistency. I want you to read the Bible, the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs every day for five years. And you'll be a millionaire. And in two and a half years, Steve Scott was worth over three million dollars from reading, doing his business according to the word of God. I rest my case.